I'm going to sit down today. I think that I think that works for me. Uh, so, hey, I, today is a little bit different. We're going to do things a little bit differently um, from this point forward. First of all, wasn't it great worshiping God in song together? Yeah. What a blessing! Well, um, today's going to be a little bit different, um, and you're going to hear more about that in a while, but. We're kind of wrapping up this series uh, that we've been calling Forward Progress. We've been doing this for the last couple of months, looking at different pictures of what it means for us as followers of God to actually make progress, continue growing, uh, not get stuck, get out of our ruts, all of that kind of stuff. And we've been talking about that for a while. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you may remember... Um, that we talked about Psalm 23, and there was some crazy guy running around the building and all that kind of stuff. And we talked about the beginning of that psalm, which begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd, right? So here's your pop quiz. Who is our shepherd? Okay, that was really unenthusiastic. So let's try this again. Who is our shepherd? The Lord Lord is our shepherd. It's essential for us to get that foundation laid today. I want you to remember that. The Lord is our shepherd. Who is our shepherd? All right, good. We got that straight because um, according to Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. In fact, the Bible refers to Jesus as the good shepherd. Shepherd. The Bible refers to Jesus as the great shepherd. Some of you weren't so sure. Is that true? Yeah. The great shepherd. Um, and, and he is called the shepherd over and over again. And what are we called over and over again? Sheep. Congratulations. Um, so he's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. We're the sheep. But how does the great shepherd lead his flock? I mean, practically, what does that look like? And we talk about this all the time, but he leads us in various ways, one of which is his word, the Bible. So this is why not only on Sunday mornings do you always hear whoever is up here speaking, speaking from the Bible. We don't just refer to the Bible. We don't just sort of wave at the Bible as it goes by. The Bible is the foundation for all of our understanding of truth because part of the way that God leads his flock as the good shepherd is through his written word. Another thing God does for believers is he gives us his Holy Spirit. So literally the Spirit of God indwells the hearts of believers so that he can guide us personally, individually. It's not just what does the word of God say, but but because, for instance, the word of God gives us all kinds of giant principles to follow, but how do you know whether now is a good time to buy a car or whether you should wait till next year? How do you know like who to uh, invest in a relationship with and try to share the gospel with? How do you know how to spend your money, how to, how to make the practical decisions of daily life? Well, a lot of that has to do with the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that when we have the Spirit of God and the Word of God, those two things together guide us and direct us. And then the other thing that God uses uh, to lead his flock, it, besides his word and his spirit, is human instruments that God calls 
under-shepherds. In the scripture, we're described as under-shepherds. Sometimes the word is translated as pastors. Sometimes the word is translated as overseers. Sometimes it's translated as elders, all of which have basically the same meaning. The concept is that God provides human shepherds for his flock and leads through them. But we must make no mistake, who is our shepherd? The Lord. the Lord is our shepherd, right? So the, the men who lead God's church are not the shepherds. They are what I call under shepherds. And so we take our direction from God and we try to lead God's flock in that way. And the scriptures talks about this in various places. And it says that we are to, um, to follow uh, the leaders, the under shepherds, the elders, the pastors, uh, as they are given to us by God as a form of protection, as a form of as a form of guidance, as a perform, as a form of teaching, and so forth. And it tells us that we are to respect and honor and submit to those leaders that God has placed in our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today in relationship to this question of what does it look like for us to make forward progress. Part of that has to do as we as the subtitle of this series is follow the leader because who is our shepherd? Okay, good. You, you still remembered. The Lord is our shepherd. And as we follow the leader, a way that we do that is to follow the leaders that he has put in place in our lives. And that's why the standards for the character of the people who are under shepherds for God's church given in scripture are such very, very high standards. God doesn't just say, hey, find some people who have some extra time on their hands and they're willing to volunteer. He talks about the characteristics of what it means to be an under shepherd, a pastor, an elder, whatever word you want to use. And you'll remember a few weeks ago when Garrett was up here and he was talking about this issue and he read the passages that give us the, these list of characteristics of the men of God that are called to be elders in his church. Um, and, and those are very, very high standards because... Where there is great potential for impact, there is also great responsibility. So uh, make no mistake, a big, car, a big part of God's plan for our forward progress is to use these chosen leaders in our lives to spur us on, to, to help us to grow, to help us to thrive. That's the role that they play. And so Jesus, the great shepherd, and the, and the elders are the under-shepherds. And God doesn't just instruct the church about how to relate to the elders. He instructs the elders about how to relate to the church. So uh, I want to give you, we're just going to look at a couple passages of Scripture. If you turn to the back of your Bible, you'll find the book of 1 Peter. So once you see Hebrews, which is a big book, and then you're going to come to James, and then you're going to find 1 Peter. So go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want us to look together at what God says, not so much to the church about their responsibility toward the elders, but what God says to the elders about their responsibility toward the church. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Peter writes this. Therefore, I, exalt the, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. 
Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crowd of glory. So these are instructions given to the elders in the various churches. And he's saying in all these local churches, there are elders, leaders, men of God who are chosen by God to be in this role and position. And he exhorts them to actually do this with all of their hearts, with, with complete devotion, not as a way to somehow raise yourself up to some exalted place where you get to be the boss and you get to make the decisions, but instead to be somebody who is an example to the rest of us as believers, to be somebody who lays his life down in serving other believers. So eldership is a high calling, but it is not a goal to achieve as much as it is a stewardship to steward. One of the most chilling passages in all the scripture is in Ezekiel chapter 22. You don't have to turn there, um, but let me just tell you a little bit about it. Every time I read this passage, it sends shivers up my spine. In, in verse 30 of Ezekiel 22, God says that he is about to pour out his wrath on the people of God that he is about to pour out his wrath on the nation of Israel and that he is not going to withhold anything. They are going to undergo his judgment. Now, why would God do that to his own chosen people? Well, you don't have to turn there. Read this in your quiet time this week, but I'm going to read you verse 29 of Ezekiel 22. Here's what it says. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery. They have wronged the poor and the needy and oppressed the sojourner without justice. That's the way God describes his own people. That's the nation of Israel. He says, the people of this land, they have practiced oppression. That means those people who have power use their power to squash the people who have less power. They have not been just. They have been untrue to God and to the people that they're supposed to care for. They have, um, they have been liars. They have been cheaters. They have been swindlers. And this is the phrase that God uses to describe all of them collectively. He says the whole nation has basically turned its back on me and people are living to be oppressors rather than living to be a blessing to other people. That's why God's judgment is about to fall. Now, how did that happen? Why would the people get to the place where they actually are living that way? And if you go back and read verses 23 through 28, which you're going to do in your quiet time this week, the answer is this, because the leaders of the people had failed them miserably. 
The people had gone completely off the rails. The nation had gone completely off the rails and stopped representing God in any tangible way. Why? Because their prophets, their priests, and their princes had all failed them. They had become selfish. The prophets had become liars. They said, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord had not spoken. The people who had been given responsibility by God to lead, guide, care for the people of Israel had become selfish. They did it for their own gain. They did it for their own purposes. They did it to raise themselves up. Imagine living in a country where the political leaders are selfish. Wow, it's hard to imagine. (laughs) But even in the midst of all of that corruption and wickedness in Ezekiel 22, God says that he wants to hold back his judgment on Israel. He says, I I don't want to pour out my wrath on you. I don't want to punish these people. And he says, I am willing to hold back my judgment if I could find just one man in the whole nation who is willing to step forward, stand in the gap before me for the land, pray for the people and call the people to repentance. If I could just find one leader in the whole nation of Israel who is a man of integrity and decency, who will lead the people and, and, and guide them back to God's will, then I will withhold judgment on the nation. And then comes these chilling words. But I found no one. In all the nation of Israel, God looked for a man who would make up the wall and stand in the gap before him for the land, and he found no one. It's amazing how much impact one faithful leader can have. I've never seen a time in American culture where we were characterized by so much greed, so much selfishness, so much moral failure, and so much brokenness as a people. It's getting pretty dark out there. And if ever there was a time for the church to shine brightly in the midst of the darkness, would you not agree that that time is now? It's time for some men to answer God's call to step up and lead the people of God with integrity and courage and love and compassion and servanthood and grace. That's what today's service is about. Uh, As you have probably been hearing, if you're a part of this church family, uh, today we're going to be ordaining two new elders to be leaders in our church. And as a church... We are led by a group of men who are qualified biblically, called by God, and affirmed by the congregation to lead us. And the way that we lead is unanimously. So every decision that is made for this church, we don't do the whole thing where everybody raise their hand and then we count, and if we get 51%, we could do whatever we want. You know why? Because this is not our church, it's God's church. And, and God has one direction. God has one opinion. God has a plan for us. And it's not about who can flex their political muscle the most to get the most people to vote on their side. So we don't do it that way. What we do instead is we have a group of godly men who are called together, who work together, and all decisions are made unanimously because we want the Holy Spirit's opinion, not our opinion. Amen? 
so that's what we do. And uh, today we're adding to that group of men two people, Scott Small and David Marley. So I want to invite Scott and David to come up and join me on these two stools that just happen to be here. They clap for you now. Wait till you don't pass what they want in the budget. (laughs) All right, this is Scott Small, and this is David Marley. They clap for you twice. I came up here, there was no clapping. You guys, uh, anyways. (laughs) Obviously, there's a message there. Um, I wanted to get a chance. I know that a few weeks ago, you got a chance to hear from these guys a little bit about uh, their Grace Fellowship story, if you will, how they came to this church, what, what they're about in this church, who their family is, and that kind of stuff. But I wanted to get a chance to ask you guys just to kind of share with the congregation a little bit more uh, from the spiritual side of your life uh, about your testimony. How did you come to know Christ, and, and what kind of an impact has Jesus had in your life? So I'm going to let you go first, Scott. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Is this on? That's on. Yes, okay. Uh, well, first, I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ and you, Pastor Doug, and all of Grace Fellowship for allowing me to sit here today. So a little bit about my uh, testimony. I grew up in a Christian home in the Methodist Church, so I heard uh, the scripture through Handel's Messiah, and then we uh, joined a Baptist church when I was in the ninth grade. And uh, the presence of the Lord was there in that church, and we wanted to join it as a family, and so you needed to go out to Lake Tyler and get baptized. And my late mother kind of gave me an out. She said, uh, you know, do you know what you're doing here? You know, and uh, so I believe I was sealed with the Holy Spirit then when I got baptized and joined the church. But um, I want you to imagine like, uh, you know, Jesus heading up a hill And the body of Christ is with him. So, um, you know, I believe at that point I joined the body of Christ. But then when I went off to college, I kind of took a turn. I went down another path. And due to God's grace, he brought my lovely wife's path towards me. And uh, then I moved back towards that going up the hill and, and walking with Jesus in step, you know, striving to be in step with the Holy Spirit. So... I've gotten to be involved in children's ministry over the years, and uh, the Lord's given us a beautiful family. We have three adult children, and I'm just so thankful to to be sitting here today. So that's a little bit about me. Praise God. See if you can top that. What's your story? Well, I know it takes me about twice as many words as Scott to get anything across, and that's the problem. Um, So as I shared in my story, so um, if I can always describe my my faith story, I always have to say it's blessed. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, um, but then when I was six years old, he committed suicide. And so um, this is up in Northern California, and so we moved down to Southern California to live with my grandfather. And so and I remember the, about from six years old to 10 years old, I don't remember much of my life because I was as angry with God, mm-hmm. right? I didn't understand how he could take away my dad. So... Damn. You know, I never cried until I married into the Myers family. Really. Unbelievable. Gosh. I thought it's it's contagious, apparently. And so um, 
then at 10 years old, I remember sitting next to the bed and praying with my mom, who was an amazing uh, single mother, raised three kids, and said, you know, I want to give my life to Christ. And mm. about that time, uh, the church we were at, we was when we transitioned to, was Chaparral Community Church, which later would become Grace Fellowship. Grace Fellowship. Well, yeah, in between was oh, yeah, there was another Community name in Baptist Minnesota. Church, yeah. and four different names till finally here we're at Grace Fellowship. <laughs> And so, uh, so that's kind of how I got connected um, to this church. But also, that was that's that blessing along the way. So I had I was blessed with an amazing mom. I was blessed to have some men in my life early on. Uh, Roger Ingebretson from as we all, most of us know here, uh, Dan Smith, who is also part of the church. Um, when they had, was I remember the very first time it was a men's retreat up to the mountains, and uh, I got paired with this guy Dan Smith, and he drove a 300 ZX Nissan. 300 ZX, and it was like, ooh, I got to go up the hill with him. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool being a teenager. So I've had this amazing people. Uh, Doug has been part of my life that whole time because Doug's old, and so. <laughs> And so, you know what? Sarcasm has no place in the house of God. (laughs) (laughs) And then I've been blessed with having an amazing father in law, Byron Myers, as as you guys know, who as well. So I've just been blessed with some amazing people in my life who um, just really helped guide me in my growth uh, along the way. I have so much to learn and so much to to grow, but um, yeah, it's just been neat to have that life where people always say, oh, I. You know, I started early on in my faith story. Oh, I don't have an amazing story. I, do, I didn't do drugs. I didn't have this you know, time of darkness that I got ripped out of. I, I just People along the way have just really kept me, not that I'm perfect, but going along that way of really just helping me guide, uh, guide me in my walk. Awesome. That's cool. So I want to ask you guys to share with us a little bit about your, like, why are you elders? What, what, is, what is your sense of calling to this? And all kidding aside, um, this is like, a, a mantle to, to wear. It is, there's a weight to, you know, Paul talks about all of his struggles and he goes, but none of that compares to my concern for the church as a church leader. So um, tell us a little bit about your sense of um, calling to this role and, and why you're stepping into this role at this time. I'll let you go first this time. We have so. Obviously, I think m- most people, who, when, they're, when you're asked about idea of an eldership, I go, no, no way. Why would you, one want more responsibility? When you look through that the passage in Scripture, you go, that's heavy, right? To, the, the calling there is, is a lot. And so and that's my first inclination, right, is to run from responsibility, to do what is easy. And um, yet when I also what kind of as you pray about it and you think through it, so one of my, my spiritual gifts really is, is serving, right? I love to serve. I, love, I serve on the worship team. I love to be able to serve doing the accounting stuff. I love helping people. And so, I mean, that's, and then when you look at kind of, that's one of our, the cores of our church, right? Serving the community, serving God, serving the people here. And so that kind of helps align that and go, okay, not that it's easy and we're, we're going through a sermon series and it's always about taking those little steps and, and walking through it. It's not... You, I mean, you look at the end and go, I just can't do it. But then you know, okay, well, we have people who uh, are going to be are on the elder board already who will help guide along the way. And so it kind of makes it easier to kind of say, you don't have to take all that responsibility on your own, right? As, a, as a, um, members of the body of Christ, right? We're called to carry each other's burdens. And so in a, in a position of leadership, I think the idea that it's not just one or two people, they're having more backs to help carry the load 
and I say, you know, I want to be able to serve in that way. I want to be able to be helping people, help people who are here, help people in our community. And so that, I think it helps guide me all on that, that path. Uh, thanks. Scott? Well, um, I just, you know, it's an incredible honor to be, you know, asked to be in this position. And uh, we've prayed about it, and we've really sought the Lord on it. And there's been other times in our lives where we've kind of come to this place, and it's, um, you, you make a decision like, yes or no. And, uh, you know, first of all, the Lord's, you know, saved the believer. He saved me. You know, he's given, you know, I belong to him. So I'm at his disposal. That's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> uh, so I just uh, don't know what this is going to entail. And that's exciting. It's a little bit about, uh, or it's, it's like the Lord saying, take this step and do what I tell you to do. And I feel like that's what the Lord has for me. I'm supposed to do this. And so I'm, I'm happy to, to take that step and see what the Lord's going to do. Because in my experience, uh, when I'm on the path with him, with the body of Christ, that's exactly where I need to be. And uh, so that's... That creates kind of a segue into the other thing I want to ask you guys about. So I'll let you just keep talking here. But um, as you then look forward and go, okay, um, this is a new uh, role for me in this church. Um, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to in terms of this church and our future together? And, and share your heart with us a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I like what you said about, you know, the state of our culture and where we're at. And it's, there's a lot of darkness out there. And I'm excited about the kingdom of God advancing yeah. and, and going forward uh, because it's, it's going to do that with or without me. So <laughs> I, I'm just... Uh, looking forward to walking in step with the Holy Spirit, letting the peace of Christ rule in my heart, and I want, I, I want your prayers that I do a good job at that, you know, and uh, so, and I look forward to getting to know, you know, the people of this church better as we follow Christ together. Yeah. How about you, Dave? What are you excited about? Oh, I'm excited that about, you know, um, you know, when I talk about this with my wife, Kelly, you know, it's, it's a big commitment for her too, right? This is, it's a, it's a commitment for both of us. And when we talk about it, we just say, well, if we're going to do it, we're going, we're going to commit and we're going to, to, to step forward. And I think the excitement of saying we're being committed and serving the church this way, I think we're committed to see being passionate. And if we're committed as a, as an elder board, I think that will be infectious to the church, right? If we're excited about some things that God has put on our hearts to share, and, and people will get excited about it. So, and I like to see, even in the last couple months here, even through last year, we've raised, you know, a way of we serve the community through through the Uganda and just through Ukraine here. We've had the uh, Mission Red Cross, little small little steps like that for the church to be able to kind of reach beyond the doors of our church and just say, okay, we, we do those and we, we get a little more comfortable with that. What's that next step to be uncomfortable to continue to serve our community? So I think that's what I'm really passionate about in seeing our churches. You know, myself, I'm really comfortable serving the people of God, right? But it, it's hard for me to step outside of that and say, I need to really, how can I help the community? As Scott shared, you know, we look at our world that really needs uh, uh, unjudgmental un 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 touch. Right to really help meet these needs for people, which obviously spiritually, but 
also those physical needs. And so I think as our church continues to make that more of our DNA, that's what I'm excited about. That's awesome. So, you know, today is not really about, like, I announced these guys and you were kind and you clapped for them. So that's good. That's appropriate. But this is not about exalting the elders of this church, right? Let's be absolutely clear. It's about exalting the name of Jesus Christ. It's about pointing people to him. That's the role of an elder. That's the role of an under-shepherd. And that's what the elders of this church are called to do. There, you know, it's been famously said that one example is worth a thousand arguments. And, and God has called the elders of this church to be that example. And David and Scott have not been chosen as elders because they're perfect. And they have not been uh, called to this role because they have all of the answers. Uh, and they've been called to this role not in hopes that they can one day be an example to the rest of us. They've been called to this role because they are already an example to the rest of us. And that uh, most of us know them, and we've had the opportunity to watch their lives. We've been encouraged by them. We've been supported by them. We've been pointed to Christ by them. I know these guys both very, very well. And uh, these are godly men. These are faithful men. These are men who exalt Christ in their lives. They are biblically qualified for the ministry to which they're being called. They're men whose lives and conduct are worthy of our respect, worthy of our admiration, and, and yes, even worthy of our submission. The Bible talks tremendously about the responsibility that we have as Christians to submit to those that God has put in leadership over us, and we all cringe at that word submit. We call it the S word. We're not so po- that's not such a popular word, and yet that is what the Scripture calls us to do with the elders of, this, of the church. So um, if we're going to submit to them, let's not forget that we respect them, we honor them, we submit to the elders, not because of who they are, but because of who Christ is and because of who Christ is in our lives. Remember, it's a way of us honoring, respecting, and submitting to the great shepherd when we submit to the under-shepherd, because, by the way, who is our shepherd? The Lord. the Lord is our shepherd. So at Grace Fellowship, our elders work together, as I said, in unanimity. We know that none of us is perfect, and um, none of us is without weaknesses. But we humbly and faithfully serve Jesus by serving this church and this community, because he's the great shepherd. So both of these guys are being ordained today because they have exhibited humility and love for God and love for people and maturity in their spiritual lives. And we can trust them not to be perfect, but to endeavor to step up as no one was willing to do in the time of Ezekiel, to make up the wall and stand in the gap before God for the land, to pay the price in prayer for the flock, to sacrificially serve, not for the applause of men, but for the glory of God. And so I want to charge you, the congregation, whether you're here in the room or watching at home, I want to charge the congregation today 
to obey God's word by praying for those whom God has placed in leadership over you. I'm thankful that you mentioned that. Every one of us elders covets your prayers. It's been one of the things that I do um, in my life more than ever before is praying for people who are in leadership. I, I took a little cheap shot at our political leaders earlier. Uh, I don't care what you think of the political leaders and their agendas. If you're not praying for them, I suggest you keep your mouth shut. Instead of talking to people about your leaders, why don't you talk to God about your leaders? So praying for your leaders is a really, really important thing that God calls us to do. Um, supporting your leaders, submitting to their godly authority. Remember, we submit to these imperfect men only as doing so is a reflection of submitting to Christ. This is what happens in cults, right? You get some dynamic leadership person up front and he starts saying whatever and the people are so enamored they follow him anywhere. Nobody in this church is ever going to ask you to lead people, I mean to follow someone away from the teachings of scripture. We're not going to ask you to follow to to follow us away from the plan of God. And if at any point you feel like submitting to the elders of this church means you can't submit to God, then you need to step up and say something to the leaders of the church or you need to find another place to worship because this is not what God is calling us to do, to follow people wherever they might lead us. But to the degree that following the under-shepherds is a way of following the shepherds, I implore you, I charge you, follow the leaders as we follow the leader. It's important for your life. It's important for our church. It's important for our mission. But I also, in addition to charging the congregation, I want to charge you guys. Um, I want to... Um, not just say, hey, congregation, submit to the leaders, but I want to charge you men, as the scripture does, to faithfully and humbly serve those whom God has placed in your spiritual care as those who will give an account to God, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me echo the words of Paul as he spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He said this to the elders. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. I want to begin by reminding you guys that the number one way you can care for the flock is to be on guard for yourselves because the enemy loves to attack the leaders of the church. And so be on guard for yourselves. Watch your own heart. Watch your own relationship with God. Make sure that you're continuing to make Christ first in all things. And he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I, I love the way it's worded there. It's, it's sort of meant to say, don't mess with Jesus's church. And, and he doesn't just say that to those wicked outsiders who are attacking people. He says that to the people who have been entrusted with the greatest opportunity for impact. He says, make sure we remember, this is not our church. This is Christ's church. He purchased us with his own blood. And he has called some of us to serve him by shepherding the church. It is a high calling. 
but it's a position of service. Elders are often seen and heard giving instructions and guidance and making decisions and announcing decisions. But the most important work of an elder is not done on his feet standing behind a pulpit with a microphone in his hand. The most important work of an elder is done on his knees, whether it's praying for people or washing feet. That's what God has called us to do because we are the under-shepherds of the great shepherd who gave us that example to follow. So this is the role which God is calling you to, David. This is the role to which God is calling you, Scott. So is this a role that you are willing to humbly accept? Yes. Yes. Then I want to invite Scott's wife, Michelle, to come up and join us. I want to invite David's wife, Kelly, to come up and join us. Um, and we're going to have a time of dedication and a time of prayer. Um, I don't know why they cheered for you and not your wives, but whatever. Um, and I also want to invite the other elders, which is Dave Denstedt and Fritz Fidel, to come up and join us as well, because they're going to sort of serve as our proxy, uh, representing the whole congregation for the laying on of hands as we pray for these people. Go ahead and give him your microphone because he's going to pray in a second. And, and I'm just going to ask that we take some time to pray. And, and as a congregation, uh, if you're comfortable doing so, when we start to pray, maybe just sort of reach your hand forward as a symbol of your agreement with this prayer. And we're going to lay hands on these men and pray for them. And I'm going to ask Fritz uh, to pray over David. I'm going to ask Dave to pray over Scott. And then I'm going to close us as we pray for the entire church. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he give you strength, hope, and courage to face all that he will be calling you to this week. May he fill you with his spirit and empower you by his word. May he light up the dark places by your presence because of his presence in your life. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.